good morning for everyone at uh, Living Way Church. I'm really sorry that I can't be there um, in the flesh to see you all, my, my brothers and sisters, my family, part of the, uh, to be there with you all. I feel like we've been robbed of something, but thankfully God is, is bigger than these little inconveniences for us that he's not going to leave a face-to-face -face lack of meeting, not in the way of what the Spirit wants to do and how he's going to, to minister to us and God will have his way. And I thank God truly for, for modern technologies and I thank God that that he can still speak to us through through his word and through this time and through recordings. And I pray that you will bless with what God has given me to share. And also I believe that it will be shared outside of, of us. So I encourage you also as well to share this message that the, the word of God can go out and be declared and proclaimed and people can know his heart and his love well, thank you to uh, to Errol and John as well for, for asking me to record this message I pray God blesses you and just appreciate you both and really blessed to um, have you guys as part of my life and our life as my family as well and truly I'm grateful for you and as we continue along in our journey with the Lord. I'm going to start today. It's going to be reading from John chapter 3. But before we read, and before I read, let us pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your word, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that despite all this stuff going on in this crazy world of ours, Lord, you are in our midst, Lord. You are the calm in the storm, Lord. You are the voice, Lord, that brings peace and comfort to us. Lord, and I pray through this time, Lord, as we, we read your word, Lord, as, as we share, Lord, that we are ministered to, Lord, through your spirit. And Lord, I pray that obedience for myself to be filled with you and to share what you have, Lord, for you to have the glory, Lord. And Lord, and I pray for those receiving, Lord, their hearts and their minds are open and receptive, Lord, to what you have. And again, Lord, so that you can be glorified, Lord, in this time. And we pray that in your precious name. Amen. Reading John 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, 
We speak that we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man, who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, and his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Nicodemus, the story of Nicodemus and his relationship with Jesus develops in it's in John in the Gospel of John only but it develops in three episodes there's John 3 which I've just read now where when Nicodemus come to Jesus but look how he came to him he came in the night he came guarded he came so that no one could see him because he was a, a Pharisee he was a he was part of the Sanhedrin the uh, high council the leaders um, the court so he was uh, held a position of authority. So his reputation, all these things were at stake. So he came to Jesus by night so that no one would see what he was doing. But you've got to, we're going to look at, at Nicodemus now and we go through some parts of him. But he's also in, in John 7 and he's also in John 19 further on. Um, so in John 7 is where he's defending Jesus, where he's... Um, saying look he deserves a fair trial because he knew what they were planning for Jesus was underhand because they knew they had nothing on Jesus because he was without blemish he'd done nothing wrong yet they plotted and schemed to kill him and then it goes into John 19 where Jesus had been crucified and then Nicodemus who knowing the truth by then he he looked after the, the body treated it with loving kindness he he anointed it uh, um, in myrrh and he gave it a royal burial because he knew at this time he was the he was the Messiah and the King of Kings. So we look at Nicodemus. I got a touch on on Nicodemus, and there's there's things I want to share to encourage, to challenge. Um, I've really been challenged by what what God has laid on my heart. Um, it's been a crazy 2020, where lots of things have been uncovered. You know. Uh, I believe our roots, our faith, all these things are tested. The church has been squeezed. Uh, we are seeing just just a crazy, unprecedented time. Of, I suppose just mentioning 2020, um, I almost I don't want, want to laugh because it's it's been it's been horrendous. All the stuff that's gone on, but 
I want to look at the Christian point of view because the turn of the year, everyone's embrace yourself for the 2020 vision. What's 2020 vision? Perfect vision. Watch all the sermons come in for God's vision and everything that was projected from Christendom was, wow, God's going to be this and everything's going to be perfect 2020. Well, none of us could have predicted what has happened in the last several months. You just look at 2021, we see, what can we say, pandemic, floods, even in Abercrave, I understand it's happened before, but there's been floods. We live on the side of a mountain, yet houses have just been damaged in floods. There's been hate, violence, loved ones lost, security of jobs just gone. And these are big companies where people think, you know, this is a job for life. Gone. I would have said the same about my own job, being a, an ex-police officer, it's a job for life. You're already looking at your pension and what your predicted pension is and just thinking your certainty was in that. The list goes on. High pressure time. Mental health on the increase. Violence on the increase. Suicides sadly up. Ridiculous. You're more likely to, I think suicide may have even taken more lives than, than the pandemic. Uh, but sexual offences increase. The talk of high, high profile paedophile rings. You just look at all this and this isn't a message of doom and gloom but this is a message of the reality of the world what are we seeing in our world we are seeing that our nation which is now classed as a post-christian nation the last time something this big had probably hit our world would have been world war Two. you know our country but the, the world was at war but at that time at that time our churches were full we were crying out to God because we realised everything was out of our control. And our, our churches were full and people were crying on God answered prayers because our nation was delivered against all the odds. But as time moves on, as you see sort of the biblical references of God delivering and saving, yet people turn away. Because straight away following World War II, it was the miracle of Dunkirk. Because everything was stacked against those soldiers being freed from France. Yet our churches were full. This is a forgotten history. God delivered our army because everything was perfect for them to be rescued. Everyone was praying. Our nation was crying out because if we'd lost our army in France, we were, we were done for. And initially it was called the miracle of Dunkirk because initially our nation gave thanks to God for what had happened. But over time, the miracle path has dropped out. It's just called Dunkirk. See how, how quick we forget how time moves on, how we forget. But what else has happened in our nation as, as we move away from what we feel is the, the persecution of the church and the judgment and all these things? I'm going to come on to that later on in the message, but there's a part that we need to play because I know the church has hurt so many people and, and through how we share, how we speak and how, how we judge and how we forget sometimes where we've come from. As I said, I'll come on to that. But I just want to touch, but isn't, isn't it interesting that as our nation moves away from God further and further and further, all these other things which are certainly not of God and far from Him increase the brokenness, the brokenness in relationships, violence, up, sexual offences, all these things up, up, increasing, increasing. It's just interesting how when we move God out, that these things seem to increase. The world will just say, oh, well, these things just happen. You know, so if it's all based on our civilization, on humanity, I just got these questions. Why? Why in a world where we have so much, where we are so advanced and so clever, how 
Uh, there's so many children being abused. Oh, there's so many children starving to death. Even now, during this message, someone will die from anger around the world. How in a so-called society that is so advanced and has so much around us. You look in our nation. Yes, we've been squeezed. Yes, we've been affected. So much has gone on. But how is there so much hurt around us? How are there children and families broken in poverty? God has set a standard. And in truth, his standard of what he, he set for family, for life, for loving, for honouring our parents. All these things are being removed. Where we have a young generation who don't have that respect for elderly. I won't go into all the names. This is about politics and all that stuff. But you can see this. It's just breaking it down. The family unit has been attacked and broken down. Marriage has been attacked and broken down. We have you know, abortion rates are through the roof. Families are broken. All these things is just just a mess because there's a cost to everything that is done every relationship that's broken there is a pain and there's a legacy and there's something going on every every abortion there can be mental health issues there can be a cost and a pay payment further on that people don't talk about mental health is increased men are coming more to terms and being more open but still the suicide rate one is too many we've been affected ourselves as a family i have been affected I have felt that pain. It's very real. So, so I just, but you can see, but where do we go? Who do we speak to? What do we do? Because we fear. Because we are living under a pressure of how we should be. The pressure is on, on like I call it the Facebook effect. We, how we want people to think we are. How we present that image that our success is our job, the promotion. The finances, the home, the relationship, the holiday, the presents. You know how many times we see the pictures of presents for children Christmas time just packed to the rafters that they want for nothing. And we think that we are doing a good job as a parent because we give them all this material stuff. But I can see a sign of the times. And even my own children sometimes. You could offer them a present and they don't even know what they want. In truth, because they already have too much. But what can we say about 2020? I bet a lot of us wish that the world would stop a minute. We could just step off and breathe. Look at everything that's going on. Because, see, we, we are living in a time. When we look back at World War II with fear, fear has increased. And I'll be honest, you know, I've, at the beginning of it all, I felt, no, it's okay. I've got my faith. I just feel strong. But I could feel, as the fear was spreading, I could feel it starting to take hold. Could feel it affect me, could see it affect the, those around me. And, and I know we joke now because we've all come out, but who would have thought that toilet roll would be so sought after? Who would have thought? But you could see we saw the, both the, the worst and the best of, of us. It brought out the worst and the best of us. The selfishness, all these things that we think, well, we've got to put our families right. Fill in your cupboards up. Not a care for anyone around. Yet what would God say? God would say, love your neighbour as yourself. So it wouldn't be fill your cupboard. It would be, you know, if your cupboard's full, or make sure everybody's cupboards are full, not just yourself. So even that standard that the Lord has set changes communities. We wonder why there isn't such a community spirit at against you. Because that, we are losing the sense of what God has said. God is not against your fun. 
He's not against your joy. He's not against your comfort. He has set something. Yes, we all of us think so, but it's guidelines. But the truth is the guidelines are for your success, for your joy, that your family is blessed, that you are blessed, that your marriage is strong, that your children are brought up in a loving home that is not broken, that is not chasing after everything, that is not under oppression, that is not causing mental health to increase in health, and all these things, that the cost of, of trying to strive after what we think success is. So when we look at Nicodemus, it's, it's interesting to see who was he first. He was a Pharisee. He was a wise, he had an inquiring mind. And I want to encourage you to have an inquiring mind. He was not satisfied with the legalism of the Pharisees. He grew disturbed and confused by the words that Jesus was preaching. Because he knew his stuff, being a Pharisee, being a teacher of the word, holding such a position, he would have known what we call the Bible, the Old Testament, the Torah. He would have known all these things. But Jesus' words were life and truth and were setting people free, not tied up to legalism. So he challenged him because his heart was moved. Yet his mind was saying, no, you know. What is this truth? What is this newness? What is this that is challenging him to his core? So he grew disturbed and confused by the words. And he needed to, to clarify certain truths that and apply to his life and his circumstances. And so he summoned great courage. Because it was great courage to step out and seek Jesus. And to find out what was being preached and the questions go on then he said so he also defied the Sahedrin and the Pharisees by, by treating Jesus body with dignity as we said in John 19 now if we were going to be picky with Nicodemus we'd say his, his weakness was that he was more than aware of his reputation as I said earlier he went out at night he went out in the cover of darkness I think I'm going to find out about Jesus but I'm going to keep it all hushed now I can understand that when I first started going to church, I wasn't shouting it from the rooftops. I was just thinking, I'll just go to church and keep my head down. It's almost like the, the cover of darkness. For months this has gone on, going back and forth to church, and then you sort of grow more, more comfortable in it, and then I started being exposed more to the truth, and then my, my heart was being prodded, and I just see that God was speaking to me every week before I made that decision to, to accept him as my Lord and Saviour. Now you've got to understand, see, I wasn't a bad person. If I looked around in society, I was doing okay. But that's not the mark of Jesus. The mark of Jesus, see, we understand that all fall short. All fall short. That's not, it doesn't matter. You can, you can look at someone who's a serial killer, but we, we're all pretty much good compared to them. But when we stand next to Jesus, it says, well, in fact, I was taught on the Beatitudes. Blessed are those. Poor in spirit, it says. Well, what is it to be poor? When you stand next to Jesus, you realise that we fall well short. Because the measure is this. Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever lusted after something? The covetousness? Have you ever desired all these things? I know we all. You don't have to teach someone to lie. It's part of us growing up. You see children, just they tell a lie. In fact, you've got to teach people to speak the truth. I've had to be taught to speak the truth. Because I knew how to try and preserve myself and avoid blame and cut corners and then we try to justify why we're doing these things because that's our nature you understand I'm not condemning people for, for lying I'm not pointing the fingers, not about that but it's understanding we are wired this way our flesh 
in itself, how we are wired, how we desire, we desire these things, and sometimes they're not ours to have, but we desire things that, that aren't right. But he, he was, Nicodemus would not rest until he found the truth. See, and again it comes to this about the truth. He wanted badly to understand that he sensed that Jesus had the answer. When he found Jesus, the Lord recognised his press in me. Well, of course he did, because he's Jesus. And the living word, and Jesus ministered to Nicodemus. A hurting and confused individual, but Jesus ministered with great compassion and dignity. Jesus counselled Nicodemus personally and privately. And after he became a follower, his life was changed forever. He never hid his face in Jesus again. Because Jesus is the source of all truth. The meaning of life when we are born again as Nicodemus was. We should never forget that we have forgiveness for our sins. And eternal life because of Christ's sacrifice for us. I want to touch on how we look at, how we speak of the world. See, because a lot of people struggle with the gospel message. And, but you've got to understand we're going to struggle with it because it challenges us. Every single person is challenged by the message of Jesus because we have our life and it never measures up to the gospel message and how God asks us to live because of those reasons I said about the, the, the untruthfulness, the, the sin in our lives. And we all have it, so I'm not, I'm not here saying, oh yes, you sinner, you, you must repent. Yes, it is. We all must repent, which means, repent simply means to turn away from that life. But first and foremost, you need to understand that the message of Jesus is a, is a message of love. He loves you. He came in love. You've got to under, you look at the life of Jesus. I've heard people say, oh, the Bible's just a book. The Bible is such a deep book. There are so many layers to it. Truthfully, in your lifetime, you could read it. You will never get to the end of it. There is such a depth to it. Just look at the Old Testament. There are hundreds of prophecies of Jesus. Now look at the Old Testament. It was written several hundred years before Jesus was even born. And there's documents which have been found which show that this it's been preserved. It's not something that's been made up after Jesus came. So how can we have something with over 300 prophecies of Jesus the Messiah coming and fulfilling every single one? The Bible still covers in, in Revelation things to come, which means it's not done, which means it's a book not written for the past. It's a book which is written for now, which is relevant today and the future. Because there are things within the Bible which are unfolding even in these times now. So it is not just a book. It is more than a book. It's the breathing living word of God. There is a theme which runs consistently through it and that is Jesus. Because he says he is the way, the truth and the life and nobody goes to the Father but by him. So in a time of uncertainty where I see it on, on, on Facebook all the time. We all believe oh, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. Well, who is the creator of heaven? God. And he sent his son to pay a price that only those who believe in him and accept him will experience heaven. Yes, and I know that is quite challenging for us all. He is the way, the truth and the life. Nobody goes to the Father but through him. And again, I touched on it. See, we all fall short. It says in Romans 3, 22 to 24, and the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe 
There is no distinction to us and there isn't a hierarchy. You can all be accepted. Nobody is beyond God. Isn't that just amazing? You are not beyond him. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's funny, I have a plain white wall behind me, but if all my my faults and failings and sins and everything I've ever done, even thought, said, because it, it, it gets added to daily, I'm afraid. If all that was there, you know, I'd be doing my best to do star jumps so you couldn't see it because I would be so embarrassed. But with Jesus, it is like that. It's clean. It's because of him. It's not because of me. It's because that's the power in his blood. That's why he came. You can understand when he died, within after three days, he rose. He walked amongst the people. This isn't some myth or some legend. Because why on earth would 12 everyday people who saw, it took them to see this. When Jesus was first crucified, they run to hide. They weren't bold, oh, this is our Jesus. It is only when he rose again and he met them in the upper room that that was the moment when they realised the true truth of what the resurrection power of God was, that he truly was who he said he was and that heaven was waiting because he walked amongst them before he ascended. He walked amongst them. He was seen by hundreds of people around Jerusalem. What would cause 12 ordinary people to witness and experience that that they were willing to die for it what things would you die for I'd die for my, my wife and my children without hesitation but would I die for someone I met down the road I've just followed for three years and saw them teaching us unless I knew it was the truth and what they were saying how many things would you lay your life down for there aren't many things Usually for, for people it's greed or power or we, we ha we're after something, you know. It's usually for you to be in that position. There's normally something behind it driving it. Like we hear of lots of people now in different faith groups sometimes taking their life to cause disruption because they feel they're fighting for a cause. Now these men didn't do any of that. There was no gain for it. They didn't have a life as a celebrity. They didn't have money and houses and all these things. They walked amongst people speaking the truth and it was a truth like today's gospel message that often doesn't want to be heard or received because people want to rebel and reject against it and reject it, sorry. Yet, they walked and they knew the truth and 11 of the 12 were killed for that very truth and they went willingly to their death because they knew there was no way out of it. There was no other way to live. So there's no distinctions. He says this, 23 so it's Romans 3, 23 goes on to say, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Praise him for what he has done, that he gave his son to us, that we can be redeemed and salvation is because of him and all the glory goes to him. It's, it, he has changed me. We talk about being born again in, in John 3. The, the true meaning of being born again is because I'm a very different person today than who I was. But that's because God is, is working in me. It's a work in progress. And it's from spending time in him and his word and understanding the truth. And it's being awakened to the truth. Now we all have different parts. Some of you may not even know him or want to know him. We'll listen to this message. But I would just encourage you to inquire because God loves every single person. 
He loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, who you are, who you think you are, even who people say you are. He loves you. And he wants you to know him as a loving heavenly father. And he sent Jesus for you. It doesn't matter how, you, how awkward you feel and all the it's just about being still and quiet. There's nothing in it for me to tell you that. In fact, it goes against being popular. But I, I, I share this because of love. Because I understand what love is for me. What he's done for me. And it set me free. It's like, so freely you receive, so freely you give. I cannot but tell people about him. But there's a part, you see, where we understand for the church this is. We understand, see, we have the red blood of the Lord. For the lamb that was shed for us, which we understand. But within the church, comes on to the part I was going to touch on. We have made it about red tape. We've made it about rules and regulations that our way is the right way. I've never seen a church so divided or known about it. No wonder the world looked on and think, what are you up to? You guys can't even get together. You can't even get along yourselves. Yet you all believe in the same Jesus, the same God. You all follow him. Yet... You can't stand each other. There's, there's division. Churches will in other churches to fail. We made it about red tape, bureaucracy, legalism. We judge. The church has hurt people. Somebody shared a, an experience of what they had in chapel growing up and how the church has really hurt them. They said it was a Sunday best. They had to dress in their, their, the, the dress that was bought for them, especially for a Sunday. Um, they would go to their grandmother and the grandmother would give them money for the collection. So not only they were, they were well presented, they had to have money to put in. So what's that tell you? See, it was about how you look and what you can give. See, that's what the church has done from judging people. It's like you, you must look the best. So, so if you couldn't afford something, you, you couldn't turn up to church, you'd be embarrassed. If you had no money to give, you couldn't go. And again, I've seen it. I see it today in the church. We elevate people who hold a God-given position. I, I, I'm a pastor because that's what God has given me. It's his gift. It's what operates through me. And it's because he's placed me where he's placed me. And I don't abuse that position. I, in fact, I, I struggle to receive it because I don't see that in me. But it's what he sees in me that counts. And it's the same for you. It's what he gives you and what he sees in you. My job as a leader and a pastor, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to release them, not to become the lid that prevents them from moving. It is not about, I am a pastor, and we see it, people are elevated, and it's about their position, it's their pride, and all these things which so go against the gospel message, because our Lord was not elevated until he was put up on that cross. He walked amongst the people, he was in touching distance. He was never, look at me everyone. He was never like that and our life should be to, 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 as best we can, to mirror that, to walk as he walked, to be humble and teachable. And look, Jesus washed the feet of the very man who was to betray him and hand him over. Could we truly do that? I've struggled myself numerous times to forgive for people who've hurt me and sometimes when I think I've forgiven and I'm okay to move on something will remind me of the hurt and then I've got to go through the process again to, to, to clear my heart and it doesn't mean you've got to go and be best friends with these people but true forgiveness in your heart 
sets you free. God calls us to, to receive and give for it to flow through us. And you just look at that. That's the measure of our Lord to wash the feet of Judas. Remarkable. Because could you honestly do that? What would we? I know what I'd like to turn to stick his feet. But that's not what our Lord has for us. And it's humbling. So the world, this worldly is, this worldliness is, is unbelievable how it's crept into the church. It's born out of people forgetting that we too have been forgiven. See, like I said about, it's easy for me and I, 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 can, I can share from my heart that I've been frustrated with people. I've been on the cheek of it. I've been frustrated by people doing the very things that I used to do. I just think judging them. Forgetting sometimes where God has brought me from. We forget grace and mercy. We forget to display grace and mercy. And we can justify why we feel like that. I've done it myself. Well, I've got so much on with these people up to doing this and that. Family members hurting other people, doing things. I just think, God picked me up in my mess. Wipe me clean, wash me down, wash me in his blood and set me free. Oh, he does it daily. Yet, we can forget ourselves. And I've seen it at the church and this person who shared this story had been hurt so much by the church because it became about how they looked and what they could give. And I just think, well, where's that in the gospel message? God has not saved me because of how I look and what I can give him. He saved me because his wish that none shall perish. He loves the world and his wish is that not one person will spend eternity without him. But he's given us that choice. Thank you God for your grace. Thank you God for mercy that you forgive us. Lord, I just pray for these. I want to encourage us believers because like I said at the beginning 2020, many church calendars were planned for this year. Where are we now? We're certainly not doing those things that we planned. Because can you see it makes us about our plans. Well, we've done this system last year. Let's do this again. This seemed to work. It's not about numbers in the door. It's about hearts. It's about conversion. It's about the reality of the gospel. It's not you can have the best music, the best light show, the, the best all singing, all dancing. It could be you can have auditions for people to turn up on stage, but it is nothing unless they truly know him. Give me a church of a handful who have a relationship with Christ than a church of hundreds who hardly know him or just know an image that we present of him. Ideally, give us a church of hundreds who truly know him. It's not about the quantity, it's about the quality and them truly knowing him. And give us leaders who want to encourage and, and lift up, not that they are there puffed with pride because it is a privileged position given by God and every ounce of pride in us is robbing God of his glory because you are standing in the limelight which is his to him be the glory for our church Jesus has given us this we want a plan for the church to grow he says this first of all Matthew 16 he says I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail listen to what he's saying I will build my church so let us start on that point 
away with man-made ideas on how we should do church and let's seek God with all our hearts. We pray see thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Yet we go off and we try to do the, the work of God with our wisdom. Well, I'll be honest with you, I know how far my wisdom got me and I, I know for the same, your wisdom in compare, comparison to God's is nothing. So we need to seek him and be guided by the spirit in all we do. And not a manipulated spirit that, that we feel it is this because it's fit in the narrative that we set. It's got to be what God says. Let us be the first to, to reconcile relationships with other churches, even if they push your hand away. Let them know that your heart is for them because you are for God's work and God's people. And bless them and pray for them. Even if they don't want to speak to you, pray for them wholeheartedly. Because God is going to sift his church right now. There's a shaking already gone on. Some churches don't even know how to go forward because it's just totally just challenging them. I'll be honest with you, all the same. It's like, what do we do now? How do we do church? Instead of us saying, God, what do you want us to do, God? He says, I will build my church. Not, you guys have got this. I will build my church. And he says in John 12, lift me up and I will draw all men to me. So there's, there's two points there. God is saying he's going to build his church because in truth, he's the only one that can stop the gates of hell from prevailing, from gaining ground. He's the only one who can advance the kingdom. He's the only one because salvation comes from him as a gift, nothing that we have done. So let us not plan without him. Let's plan with him, through him, in him, all about him. God, what do you want? And he says, simply lift me up. So let us lift high the name of Jesus. And more than just the, the words, and honestly, this is it's something for us all. This is certainly for me, and I thank God for, for what he's doing and what he's done in my life and, and going to do. And I pray that he continues. So let's lift the name of Jesus high. Let's ensure all the glory goes to him, our Father, who certainly deserves it. And it's not for us. And in fact, let's, let's do our best to get out of it and ensure that people know about him and connect to him and have the fullness of him and that he flows and moves. Because the truth, if the relationship is built on you to him, every time you fall, you take all those people out. But yet when everyone's holding on to him, we keep each other strong because we're all anchored. And the same unshakable rock let us pray Lord I just thank you for this time I pray Lord that through this these words Lord that your words will stay in these hearts Lord you will bless people you will encourage people I just thank you Lord for the for the message that you have given I thank you Lord for your salvation for your gift I pray Lord that those listening now Lord are blessed and encouraged and are challenged and for those who don't know you Lord that they dare to ask that they dare to look that they dare to seek you Lord in whatever's comfortable for them and they come to know you the true you and how much you love them the true message of the gospel Lord have your way in your precious name Amen